Let's talk about the plague of pornography for just a minute. Wow, this is one of the biggest issues that so many deal with in these latter days, but few talk about it or even know how to talk about it. And when they do talk about it, it's usually in a private setting with a leader who is expected to know how to navigate struggles with pornography. Thankfully, Leading Saints has put together a remarkable resource called Liberating Saints. It's a virtual library with 25 plus presentations focused on helping leaders be better prepared to help someone overcome struggles with pornography. We cover topics like how to minimize shame in the bishop's office, how to talk with children about pornography, and even how to talk about female pornography use in Relief Society. If you'd like to review the Liberating Saints library at no cost for 14 days, simply go to leadingsaints.org 14. That's leadingsaints.org 14. While you're at it, we'll give you access to all of our virtual libraries that cover several leadership related topics. So click the link in the show notes or simply visit leadingsaints.org 14. Today, I'm sitting down to the powers of the internet with Lisa Valentine Clark. How are you, Lisa? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Now, you, you, you there's no need for introduction here. I mean, especially if people can can see who you are, because uh, you are, uh, I mean, you're not a, a stranger to the microphone, especially uh, the radio or podcasts. And so, but for those few out there that maybe aren't as familiar with you, uh, how would you introduce yourself? Okay. Oh, wow. I'm a lot of things. Okay. <laughs> where, where to begin? No, I know. No, just kidding. I'm maybe, well, right now I am the host of the Lisa show on BYU radio. You can download that podcast or wherever you get podcasts. Um, I also helped to write and produce and I started as Carrie Carrington. And once I was a beehive and once I was engaged, um, I've done a lot of different, um, uh, Commercials, you might recognize me as the chat books mom on the oh, yeah? right. video. I used to host Random Acts um, and I was on the TV show uh, Show Offs that did improvisational comedy in, in, in a show. So I just keep myself busy. I'm the mom of five and and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> awesome. That's great. And I, I love to highlight your your time as Carrie Carrington on the the popular, I guess it's two movie, the yeah. the Once I Was a Beehive and Once I Was Engaged. And that that Once I Was a Beehive has been played over and over and over by my nine-year-old in in our <laughs> home, especially on Sundays. And uh, she it's like the first movie she ever cried in. And uh, and we got the chance to go to the the premiere of Once I Was Engaged. She was so excited get a picture with you and talk with you. And okay. so you're, you're very kind. So, um, I, I told you sort of jokingly before, I want you to, to channel your, your ear, inner Carrie Carrington, but because yes. <laughs> she was, was it, were you the young woman's president in that movie? Oh, yeah. uh-huh. Right. Okay. Yep. And, and you are uh, currently a young woman's president in real life, right? I am in my ward in Edgemont cool. sixth ward. Shout out. Yeah. Nice. I'm and is this your, is this your first go at the, the young women's program or? Um, I've been in presidencies before, but this is my first go as young woman's president, although I've played one on TV. Yes. <laughs> that's right. You can say that. So that's awesome. And uh, maybe um, break down as far as the, the demographics of your ward or the, the youth program in your ward, just to uh, put that into context. Yeah, you bet. I live um, in the heart of Utah County and it's a big ward. Um, I think it's the best the best ward. I, I've lived in that ward for, for many years, almost two decades, really. And um our demographics is there's a lot of kids, you know, I have, we have about 31 girls on our, our young women on our, on our roster and about as many young men as well. So it's a, it's a big family ward. It was when we moved in, um, there were, I think maybe, and I had three kids at the time went on to have five, but, um, I think my three kids made the primary a grand total of, uh, 15, and now there's, you know, over a hundred kids. And so it really like turned over. It was kind of an older neighborhood. And, and, uh, as people passed away, then little families would, uh, you know, move in. So that's like, like yeah. a lot of older neighborhoods do just big nice. turnout. Cause once you, you move into the Edgemont area, nobody wanted to move out. Nice. And so how long have you been serving this young women's president now? It's been almost a year. Oh, cool. And is there a story to, uh, being called as young women's president? Well, it was kind of a, a shock because I was not even a year. My husband passed away 
in June of 2020. And the bishop was a really good friend of his, a good friend of mine. And I think he felt really bad calling me. Like, I know this is a lot. You've kind of been through a lot. Yeah, leave the widow alone, got a right? emotional about <laughs> yeah. it. And I was like, listen, we know both know why we're here. Well, I know the church that I belong to. Just let's get this going. You can ask me. And he's like, are you sure I can ask? You so, and, nice. and, and he's been great because the bishop and the young women's president have to work together a lot to coordinate yeah. the youth schedule and stuff. And so, so it's been a really great experience. And, and the young women in my ward are incredible and they're all super different and fun and they're great. Yeah. And so walking into that, uh, that experience, you know, you know, like you said, serving in young women's presidencies before any, is anything that surprised you or is there a certain way you went about uh, selecting your counselors and anything like that? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because it is different, like being the one in charge, right? And the young women and the youth program, youth and children's program in the church has changed a lot. Yeah. That was the biggest surprise for me is this before when we were in and, you know, you're doing your young woman's medallion and, and talking about personal progress and all of that. And then you have camp requirements and you got to learn CPR. And like, there's, there's so, there was so much to that program. And the new program for those who don't know is just totally like, no, 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 where it's, it's to the basics of the gospel. What do the girls want? It's, it's the, um, young women led, like what goals are you working on personally? Like there's no checklist. It's like, what in these air four areas of your life do you want to work on? And then everything goes around that. And so it's not leaders preparing lessons for the girls to teach the girls or, or coming up with activities to try to convince the girls to go, but it's going to the actual young women and saying, what is that buy-in for you? You know, why are we here? What is the purpose of this? What do you want to get out of it? And because every ward is different and every girl is different, it really accounts for that. And it's hard to change. And that was, I think, one of the biggest problems. Like as the president, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like now I have all these like leaders and young women who have a different idea about where this is going and to try to bring everybody together is quite difficult. Um, but as far as the counselors were concerned, I, you know, they, just being really, really prayerful about it because there were so many like qualified and like great women in, in, in my neighborhood and in my ward who, you know, the young women would benefit from associating with. So, but, but it, it was nice. I, I've, I'm really happy with the presidency that we have and, and they have been so great just to me personally and not, you know, in addition to being great leaders for the yeah. young men. So it's, it's great when that happens. Yeah. And we're recording this in February of 2022. Uh, do you feel like your ward is, you know, finding some, some uh, routine after sort of the COVID shutdown and whatnot with, with youth activities and, or how does that work? For, yeah, for I think uh, the, the routine is the idea of like, just not getting up, you know, I, giving up. I feel so bad for the previous young women's presidency because for the majority of their final two years, it was Zoom and trying to connect. And they did such a good job of finding out of the box ways to to make that connection with the girls, even though we couldn't physically, you know, be together because I had some young women just in my home. So I saw the the lengths that they went to make those kind of connections. So now that, you know, everything kind of opened up, but then it shut down again. Yeah. <laughs> and then our ward had like an outbreak. And then we were like, okay, we can't have any, you know, we got to be careful. We got to shut down. Now we're going to do this on Zoom and and just being flexible in that. I mean, it's a great reminder anyway for the, in the gospel too of like you have to, uh, you have to relate to the individual needs of 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 your ward of your you know particular people that you're serving. Um, when 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 you you know are trying to fulfill the calling and it's not a checklist. You know, you yeah. got to focus on those individuals. So it's yeah, been, awesome. It's been tricky. Yeah. Well, as we do uh, with these, uh, how I lead interviews is you've prepared just a list of some principles that maybe you've helped you in your, your leadership. And we'll go through those and see what we can explore and learn here. The first one being belief in the purpose. How do you, how do you do that? Well, I, I, I feel like, especially in a church calling, like when you're trying to lead people, it is not, you're not trying to get them to do something, you know, mm-hmm. and another leader's ship position, like say at work or in school, or even in a family too, sometimes you just have to get things done, right? Like, and it's it's sort of a checklist, but I just really feel, and especially as a, as a young woman's president of just believing of, of, and having that of the why of you're doing it. There's a lot of meetings. This is a lot of time. It's a very emotional and, um, 
heavy sort of responsibility. And 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 I I feel like keeping that focus is what keeps everybody um, motivated for whatever their individual why is together as a collective. Mm-hmm. So whenever we talk about you know the specifics for activities or lessons or what you know camp whatever it is as a presidency we're always coming back to well why are, why are we doing this you know we're all very very busy we've all, we're all being pulled in different directions and and all of that and so what is what is this this belief and and if we didn't feel that then the girls and the young women that we serve wouldn't feel that as well And I think sometimes we forget that we always just assume everyone's on the same page. Not everybody's on the same page. And I think that that's where good leadership begins, you know, in in any really organization that that you are all here with the same kind of vision and purpose, even if you're going to execute it differently. Yeah. And so is there any um, example that comes to mind as far as what that looks like in practice with uh, when because it sort of gets this momentum and going in one direction, you realize that it's sort of. (laughs) <laughs> it's turned into a monster at times. I don't know, but any, any idea what that looks like in practice, as far as keeping the, the, the purpose at the core and, and making sure everybody agrees with that purpose. Yeah, absolutely. So there was a time where because of the holidays and because of COVID, we had sort of stopped and started a lot of activities that we wanted to do to bring the mm-hmm. girls together. And we hadn't had a real, an opportunity to do that for a while. So we got, we, it was the first time that we were getting together for, for a bit. And we were, and, and I realized that as we were generating ideas for, well, what kind of activities do we want to do? That because so much time had passed, that some of the girls were new and had never been in young women's organizations. Some of the girls had kind of been in and out and some of the girls had been there for a really long time. So we had a, a wide range. And so the activities that they were suggesting you know, they didn't even know how to brainstorm for those ideas. Like, what is this even? And so we as a presidency took a step back and said, okay, I'm, we're just going to have a discussion on why do you come to young women's? Like, Mm. what do you hope to get out of this? Like, maybe your parents make you come, Yeah, (laughs) you know, maybe you don't have anything better to do. Maybe you love this. Maybe you wish that it were, that it meant more that, that this could be your way to, get a testimony of different principles. Maybe you want this as a way to serve other people. Maybe you just need it as a social outlet because hmm. you feel isolated, whatever it is. And so then we really talked about the why and 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 how everyone is an individual, no matter what their why is, is that we come together and what is this belief and this purpose and we brought it together as, you know, why I come to church, why I would spend a lot of hours every week for something I don't get paid for and feel so passionately about it. And why I would do that at this time in my life where I'm a new widow for a lot of kids Hmm. starting a new career, why I would do this, not like, Oh, I'm so great. But also just to say like, this isn't, I'm not just killing time kind of thing. And so having that belief, I think it, and it changed our discussions and it changed our the way that we were planning activities, like what we, we all get to be together. Isn't this so great? Like, I want to be here with you. So what do we want to do with that? You know? And I feel like that, that, that could go in any organization really of like, we have this opportunity at this moment in time that will never happen again. So what are we going to do with this? Yeah. And so you had that discussion, like with all the girls. Yeah. Nice. And I was curious, do you remember any specific as far as how they responded, like what they, why they come to, to young women's or what they expected? Yeah, because I, you, I, you know, I'm looking at these girls and I know them as individuals and, um, and I'm thinking, yeah, you come cause your mom makes you, yeah. you come because you have a testimony. You come cause you're trying to figure things out. You're coming cause you want to change the world. Like you, you uh-huh. know, you kind of guess, but you want them to an- answer that for themselves. Yeah. And I wanted them to have permission of like, it's okay. You're invited. Like Hmm. no matter what it is, I just kind of wanted to call it out of like, we are glad you are here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that's such an interesting uh, approach to maybe engaging with the the young woman is asking that question. And like you said, giving them permission to say, you know what? I just need a social outlet or I have a lot of fun at the activities or because as a leader, we sometimes, you know, we have this priority in this uh, almost this mandate of like, you will engage with Jesus Christ here. And I will assure you that that will happen when and that's something you work. almost can't force. Yeah, you can't force it. No. And, and that's not the way Christ taught either. Right, yeah. <laughs> what did he do is he invited. 
yep. always invited and he made room at the table for everyone. And, yeah. he, and he reached out to the one. And that's what we need to do as well. And yeah. like I say, it doesn't matter where you're coming on the spectrum of, you know, belief or confidence or anything. You are invited. Yeah. And you don't have to to tell us why, but we are glad you, when you can come. Yeah. And when you've given the girls an opportunity to articulate why, why they come, I think that helps you as a leader as the activities go on where maybe you can sense that one girl really isn't into this activity, but she also sort of just sees young women's as a social outlet. And so you may not want to push as hard there, maybe with an, as, as others that who really want to learn or I, I don't know, whatever it is. And so yeah. you can really gauge your, your leadership uh, approach with that information. And I, and, and I think that once you're all on the same page with that, then you can be more effective too, as a presidency. Yeah. Anything else in, in the context of uh, belief in, in the purpose that we haven't touched on? Well, I just feel like that, especially serving in the church, your belief in, in, in your why in doing it. And, and, you know, for me personally, I feel like where much is given, much is required. And I feel like that this is an expression of me just trying to give a small little tiny bit to, to the, you know, to the great volume that's been given. And, and so, and I always try to remember that it is a privilege to be with these girls. Like it is, it, you know, that's a privilege for me to be able just to have some influence on them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of that, the, the next principle you have is uh, focusing on the individual. How do you go about doing that as a young woman's president? Well, I think that's the first thing that I learned, especially as a young woman's prince, uh, you know, uh, president is that all of these girls are very different. And especially from the ages that you're dealing with them from, you know, 11 to 18, they want to be individuals. You know, they're trying to establish their own identity as it relates to their peers, to their families, their parents, any authority figure. And you're kind mm -hmm. of that as well. And, and they don't want to be treated all the same. And because none of us do, none of us right. want to feel like we're being treated as a stereotype, like, oh, oh, all you women in the church or all you men in the church or like nobody likes that when they're all grouped <laughs> together. You're like, but I'm different, I'm, you know, and the young women are certainly like that. And and their individual personalities and being able to be focused on that instead of what are we going to have the girls do this Wednesday for the activity or what are we going to teach the girls is an entirely different uh, question then specifically, what does she need right now? What is she going through? Yeah. You know, what is she struggling with? And then, and then, um, being able to see each individual young woman as their own person on their own journey is much more effective than dealing in hypotheticals. And yeah. so, that's what, you know, I, I, I really try to remember, you know, I, I know every single young woman who doesn't show up on Sunday or on the, you know, and yeah. I try to think of where they are and what they need and how I can help them, whether or not they want to come to church. Yeah. And do you have any like uh, practices or routines that you do in order to sort of keep a pulse on each individual, like uh, formal one-to-one -one interviews or anything you do, maybe more casual yeah. or how do you do that? We've tried to, we try to make it a little bit, you know, more casual as we were kind of trying to get to know everybody. I think that's why girls camp is so great too, yeah. because it gives you that time just to sit with each girl and just to be like, I just want to get to know you. You know, what do you think is funny? What are your life goals? What are your friends like? What do you worry about? What are you good at? All, what makes you really excited and passionate and, and, and that kind of, con, um, concentrated time is really, really great. And, and I think beyond that, knowing that we have a presidency, right. And each class, there's three classes in young women's has an, an advisor because we have a big enough ward and each class also has a specialist. So you have three adult leaders in each class that are watching over those girls and being able in each class to, to say, let's pray for each one of these girls by name every day. Hmm. You know, you can do that when there's that many adults and you can say, okay, so let's keep an eye out for each girl so that nobody gets lost through the cracks. So for example, we might have, you know, a class of like eight people. And if we have three adults, then that's, you know, every adult has two or three girls that they are they're going to know when their birthday is and, and when they're in the school play or when they have a sporting event, you know, they're going to know the details of their life, not in a, you know, in a, <laughs> in a appropriate way, but just like yeah, yeah, to yeah. know what's going on. Right. And, and, and it's the same thing with the girls who, 
who don't come but are on the list of like, do we know the situation? Do they feel invited and not pestered? Do they feel welcome without feeling, you know, pressure? That is a, a difficult thing. And so we spend time not talking about, well, this is what we do, you know, in these situations, we send everybody the same note and, and a cookie saying, please come. No, we we try to think, well, well, what is what what does each person need? Will that will that note feel like pressure? You know, like there was a a woman in our a girl in our neighborhood that was like, please take me off of the group texts for every activity and things like that. And I went over to her house and I was like, absolutely, like we don't want to bug you and stuff. We just want you to feel like if you ever want to come and hang out with the 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 girls in your neighborhood and not feel left out. We don't want you to feel like left out. And 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 we just want you to be just be aware of that. And we had a great discussion. And I felt like that was more effective than just, you know, taping a three by five card to her door. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Uh, next principle is a lead by example. How do you do that? Well, I, I feel like I have taken a step back as a young woman's president and thought, what impact ha- have the, the, the leaders that I had in young women's a hundred years ago <laughs> had on me and really the biggest lessons that they taught me, the things that I took, I have taken on that have been the most meaningful, like little moments for me were things that were not structured. I can't, like they weren't lessons. They weren't even formal activities. It was just me watching them and what they did in the situation. And what's interesting about that is when you're, a, when you're young, you don't know you think you know what your life's going to be like. You're like, well, I'll probably go to college and graduate and get married and have babies and then do this. And maybe I'll have this career or, you know, you, you kind of think that you're going to fall. You have no idea. Like my <laughs> life has, there's been a lot of things that have happened that I was like, oh, I did not see that coming. Like not even a, a not yeah. even a little bit. And yet I can look back and now with a deeper appreciation, remember some of my young women's leaders and the way that they were just unapologetically, because I came from the Midwest, just who they were, did their thing in a lot of different kind of life circumstances. And I have like that example has helped me in so many ways that I would never have have foretold, right? Yeah. Or predicted. And so it's like in hindsight, they have given me such a gift that I didn't know. And so sometimes like then when I look at these young women and I think, oh, almost like with like heartbreak, like you have no idea. Because <laughs> I don't know yeah. like what's going to happen to you. But there's so many things that could happen to you. And so believe me when I say that, like, I will always care about you and what happens to you. And I always want to be like a touchstone or a resource, or I just want to be on your team cheering you on no matter what happens. And that those lessons happen by just living your life. It's just by living your life and, and, and nothing else, you know, and I still have connections to young women who are now grown and married and have their own babies and stuff. Like when I was in a young woman's presidency before, and we're still in touch and, And that kind of connection, I mean, that it's just by living your life that you, if you walk the walk and talk the talk, you can't fake that. And they're watching. And and I, and I think any good leader recognizes that, that it's not just a moment of leadership, but it's like, how do you live your life? And, And to me, especially in a gospel setting that, that cannot be underestimated ever. Yeah, there's so much hope that I think that brings to maybe a discouraged young women's president because sometimes we put so much effort and focus on this upcoming youth conference or this this fireside that we're doing, and we've got to make sure that everything's in line so that it's impactful for them. But over time, I think the influence we have on those that we lead is often manifested in just the person-to-person relationship we had, them understanding who we are, our faith, our struggles, all these things. And then in hindsight, we look back and think, wow, what a remarkable person. I was blessed to have them in my life. Right. I had a, if I can share a story about yeah, that, please. my, my late husband, when we moved into our ward, um, 19 years ago, he was soon after called to be the teacher quorum president or, you know, teacher, advisor or whatever, advisor yeah. or whatever. And there were a group of of unruly youth <laughs> that he would just refer to lovingly as the monkeys. 
Like, oh, the monkeys are driving me crazy. The monkeys didn't listen to my lesson. The monkeys keep teasing me about being bald. The monkeys, the monkeys, this group of, of boys. And um, over the years, um, you know, my husband, of course, loved these guys. They were yeah. fun and he went on scout trips with them and went to activities and lessons. And these guys grew up, you know, and they grew up and then they would kind of come back and they would and... <laughs> It used to drive me nuts because we were like this struggling, like young couple with, um, you know, lots of little kids and stuff. And he'd be like, well, the monkeys want, want me to buy him tacos. The monkeys, you know, on, on every Tuesday or whatever. And I'd be like, oh, those guys, but, and, but they would do that. And he invested in their life anyway, fast forward, you know, my husband is sick. These men, these boys, some of them went on missions. Some of them got married, had babies. Yeah. When, when, when my husband got really sick with ALS, they came over and made him laugh. They came over and raked our leaves for us, took care of us. Um, they honored him in such a way and honored our family and became, and, and, and I know that that was because Christopher saw them for who they really were and just loved them and joked around with them and, and, and throughout their lives, even when he didn't have that calling, even when he was in the bishopric or then, then after that, he, he didn't have a calling and they still, it, like, it, it was that leadership that they came to him for advice for, you know, for the rest of their lives. And after he passed, they still, I mean, it's going to make me like cry. They come over and they, they bring me flowers. They, they talk about the influence that my husband had on him. And, and if we are talking about like changing lives and, and real leadership, I feel like that, that's that secret sauce of that Christopher Clark had was he just lived his life. How he was with those boys was how he was with his friends, which was how he was with his colleagues. And it was just all the same example. Oh, I love that. That's so powerful. And, and again, give so much hope of just, just connect, be yourself and encourage. And if that, you know, if Wednesday night activity just <laughs> was a dumpster fire, so be it, move and on and they love you anyways. And joking around it yeah. and make a difference. It's okay. Yeah, that's cool. Um, let's see. I've wanted to ask you about the, you know, that dynamic It's sort of newer and not that your ward has figured it out or you and your bishop have, but just that that dynamic between the young women's president and the bishop and, you know, watching over youth and how meetings work and how he involves you. Like, how does that dynamic work in your ward? It's, it's really funny because our, our, you know, bishop, our bishopric was called just a couple of months before I was called. Mm -hmm. And so we're all kind of new and we're all contemporaries and we all just were like, okay. How are we going to do this? And it's changed a lot. So like we should be meeting every week. And I know just because my husband had been in a couple of bishoprics, how many meetings and how much time away from your family. And I want to be really respectful of that. And so, I mean, for us, I think we have, we have really open communication um, and we text and we call and we have formal meeting and just whatever will work. And I think really being flexible as everyone's trying to figure that this out is the most important. I really do. And if there's ever a concern, the thing that I like about the dynamic that we have going on is I feel like we are on the same page that if he doesn't understand something or where I'm coming from, he asks and listens to my perspective hmm. and vice versa so that we can come to a consensus before we go out to the youth. And so I, I feel like that, that has made a, a, a world of difference of, of in, and especially like in ward councils and, and things where it's, it's not just, well, what do you guys think? It's a real discussion about let's, let's work this out until, until we come to a consensus. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Respectful. Uh, what about uh, girls camp? Uh, any, any hacks you have or suggestions or um, approaches, <laughs> unique things you do, anything no, coming to mind? Here's the thing. I hate camping. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I don't like roughing it and outdoors. And it's so funny because I have such a testimony of girls camp because yeah. of it and wanted to honestly make the movie for this point as well, that something magical does happen at girls camp and I'm willing to do it. And I always tell the girls, if I'm willing to go camping, like, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to make it fun. Um, and, and I, and I do, I, I think my tip is just to have fun and to do it your own way. So yeah. like, I don't like sleeping outside and, and the tents and stuff. I do it. 
but uh-huh. like, I like the food. I like making the s'mores. I like the dance parties. I like just being with the girls. So I lean into the, and try to focus on all those strengths. Yeah. You know, I like the fun hikes and the, and when you come up with your own mottos and chants and songs and like, I like all that cheesy stuff. So I just lean into it and go overboard, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's only a few days, right? I mean, it's only a few days. And I always <laughs> just say like, listen, we all like different parts of it. So, I mean, I had to ask one of the young, young women to help me set up my tent. I was like, this is driving me nuts. I can't set this up. And she's like, I got you, Sister Clark. Like, I got you. <laughs> and I was like, thank goodness you do. See, this is why we need each other. You know, That's I'm right. good at fighting in the metaphor where, you know, enforcing it. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, what about any like apps or tech services or technologies you use within your pregnancy or with the girls or any, any tool you use? Uh, you are asking the wrong question because we have been <laughs> so frustrated by this. And it's funny cause I'm on like, like group chats with other young women presidents and things like that. Yeah. And we all have this problem because you, it depends on, cause not all of the young women have phones. Right. Some of them have the iPhone, some of them have Android and you would think, Oh, no big deal. It's a huge deal. And especially yeah. when you're dealing with large numbers of people, we've tried to use group me with, <sighs> It's so hard because every time, because it changes so much, right? Because girls grow up and go out and then sometimes you have parents on the, the thread and they're like, we don't want to be on this thread. And I'm not, now I'm on three threads because I have two different girls and then a presidency. It's a mess. If yeah. anyone has any help, please <laughs> tell me. But all I can say is don't give up. <laughs> yeah, We've created lots of different texting groups and a website. We're like, if nothing else, go to the website and it will always have like updated information of like, what's, what oh, are nice. we doing this week? Or, or who do I contact? Or where's that form? We just try to dump it on one website. So nice. it's still a huge work in progress. I'll tell you so- what. So with that website, do, do you use some free web de- developing app and then get a website up? Yep. <clears throat> and what is, you have announcements like the next activity. What yeah. else do you have on yeah. there? Yeah, and if there's stuff about FSY or uh-huh. girls camp and they need to know dates and stuff, we'll go go to the website and it'll have our calendar and all that. But I mean, over communication has really been what we've hoped to yeah. to you know achieve. So everybody feels confident and but everyone yeah. wants a different level of involvement. And that is another. Issue. Right. Yeah. Cause maybe I don't want to text from my young woman's yeah, president exactly. every day. Right. Yeah, maybe you don't. <laughs> and, and well, and I, I think that's a good tip too. Just having like, I think the principle there is like having a home base online, yes. whether that's a Facebook group yep. or a mm-hmm. texting group or whatever, but having a home base saying whatever the question, it should be there. And if it's yep. not, tell us and we'll get it there. Right. And you know, and there's lots of rules about, you know, giving out people's numbers and things like right. that. And leaders can't just directly text young women and you have mm-hmm. to have other people in the threat. And so just being aware of those things, once you, you got to do what, what really works for your ward. And it depends on, the individual girls and how many people you're talking about. Yeah. Awesome. Really helpful. So I want to make it sort of a a left turn a little bit, just with your experience with your um, losing your husband, Chris to ALS. And uh, you know, his, he was such a influence in the local community here at Utah, especially the theater community. Uh, He was, I'm trying to think, was he Peter in the Bible videos? Paul. Paul. I'm, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Paul. Yeah. So if anybody needs to uh, see him in his in his uh, element there, uh, he was yeah. he was Paul there. And uh, obviously, nobody expects to to lose their husband in, in such a, a heartbreaking way at a, a younger age. You know, I think we all imagine growing old and ho- holding hands as old people and and For passing sure, away yeah. at ninety nine on the same day, right? Like. Yep. That, that would be I ideal. Just lie down in the bed together, holding hands. That's what <laughs> That's I right. thought was going to happen. That's right. And so, obviously, throughout his sickness, I mean, there's uh, suddenly there's more and more need that your family has and help, and and then when you're when he passes, and and then there's just this heaviness of like, I don't know, do I go over to the Clark's house? Do they want me there? And maybe they do, maybe they don't, but I want to show that I care. No, I'll just give them their space. And you know, there's all these dynamics that I think in the context of a ward we're wrestling with. And yeah. so just from your experience, obviously there's no one size fits all, but just from your experience, what did you learn that maybe would help church leaders who have someone in their ward going through something similar? That's a great question. Cause I do think we need to talk about this stuff because it happens more often than not. And so with ALS, he slowly lost the ability to do a lot of things, right? So for people who are unfamiliar, so he went from like walking with a cane to at the end, not being able to move at all or speak. And so there were a lot of stages and we were constantly updating 
our home, you know, for handicapped accessibilities and for his treatment. So people coming in and out. Mm -hmm. So our needs changed. And I think that's an important point of like, of, of really knowing what the needs are and not just assuming, right? So like in my case, I'll also like Christopher is one of nine siblings. Oh. I am one of five siblings. Most of our family um, lives close and our family like really rallied and we have really great friends. And the way that I understand the way that the church operates best is that, you know, you start and try to take care of your own family's needs. And then if you mm -hmm. have needs, you go out to your extended family. And then after your extended family, you go out a little bit to your close friends. And then, and then if you have needs beyond that, then you go to your neighborhood or your ward, your spiritual, you know? And so that felt very comfortable to me as we needed more and more help. And what was so lovely is we have such a great, lovely ward that, and we'd been there for so long and so many good friends um, that they would just say, yeah, I don't know. Am I coming over too much or not? Or what do you tell me? And we had actually a family spokesperson who happened to be my cousin who lived in the ward and her husband um, was the bishop right before the bishop mm -hmm. that we had while Chris was ill. So we said, this would be great. We'll just have Nate and Julie be our, because they're family, be the mm -hmm. spokesperson for the ward. So when we find ourselves in a stressful situation and we need meals or we need, you know, um, you know, help with physical therapy, whatever it was, um, then we will. And I, and our, we had a sweet Bishop who about every six months would just check in on me and say, Hey, I know that this is a, you know, an expensive disease. Like, do you need any financial help? Do you need, and he would ask specific questions. Like, I don't want to like step mm -hmm. on your toes and things like that, but what can I do? And so I felt like people were checking in with us enough, um, because we were self-sufficient <laughs> in, in a way, in the sense of like, we had so much family helping us that, I had a sister who really stepped in and helped with the home repair. I had, you know, a brother who helped um, generously like pay for a lot of the, the adaptations to our home, which were quite extensive. Um, you know, things like that. We had, you know, insurance for his disability. Like, so, so something, you know, everybody's situation is going to be different and it's so personal and it's so heart wrenching when you're going through it too. And it feel, even though when people are sometimes asking for help, it feels so intrusive because you have to like tell them the whole situation and then you have to look at it. And sometimes you're just trying to survive. So mm -hmm. having a family, I think like representative of one person who can just kind of field all the questions was very, very helpful. Now, our our experience was quite extreme because for the last um, almost a year of Christopher's life, we were in isolation and he couldn't get anything like a cold or a flu or anything. Yeah. So we had to really severely limit who could come to our home. And as a result, like I really relied on my, um, I mean, it was just my little family you know, and, and that could come in and no one else could really come in. So that was quite like a severe thing. And so we really needed a lot of fasting and prayers, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and I, and I laugh, but like, but I don't underestimate that. We really did, you know, call out for that. And that's how, you know, people could help. And, you know, what's interesting too, is that the people who just knew what to do were the people who had been through similar tragedies. There's a, a, a widow who's also like a really good friend. And she had been widowed a lot uh, for about 10 years before I was. And she just was my friend. You were about the same age and everything. And she had been through that. And I would, she'd be like, what can I do to help you today? And I'd say, nothing, I'm fine. Everything's fine. We're just, you know, nothing, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just a regular day or whatever. And she would know like when I had a doctor's appointment or something like that and, and dinner would be there. You know, she wouldn't ask for my permission, you know, cause I'd be like, well, we have food and I can make food. It's fine. And, but she's like, sometimes you just want to not think about it. And she just kind of knew those things that even I didn't know because she had been through it. So there's something very significant about that mm. that makes a ward family a little bit different than just a neighborhood because yeah. they know yeah. and they're looking to express their gratitude for their um, God and their belief in, in ways and because they're looking for it and they're thinking about it in a different way than just your average person. Um, they do answer the prayers that you haven't even uttered yet because you're too busy. Yeah. Man, there's so many principles there. You mentioned, you know, I think it's really important to highlight like that family dynamic you touch on that sometimes we, we have this, uh, 
the storybook narrative, I guess, in our mind, as far as what ministering brothers and sisters do for families. Right. And, yeah. and now you have a medical need. And so here we are, like, we're ready to step in there and be the superhero and, and help out in so many ways. In reality, you don't necessarily need an overwhelming amount of help from the world because you have an overwhelming amount of help from your family that's yeah. just down the street. Right. And so, yeah. and I remember my mom going through a, a medical issue for time and there's sort of this, uh, this, uh, feeling from the, or ministry, like from the, those that ministered to her, like, no, you need to give us something we can do for you. Cause that's what, that is our job now. Yeah. And, and there is this, you know, there are, it's very natural, I think for people to not ask for help when they probably really do need help. But I think that family dynamic is so important to keep into, into perspective, realizing that maybe there isn't a lot for the world to do day to day or week to week because they have the support that's already there from their family. And that's okay. And you know, right? and that's okay. Cause I yeah. still feel very close to my ward and I still feel like they were there for us. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, they were there for us. And the things that you need when you're going through that crisis is like, let me talk about my husband. Let me talk about yeah. how horrible that was. Help, help mourn with me. And that's a very real thing, but we're much more comfortable bringing out and dropping off a casserole than sitting mm -hmm. and crying with a new widow. Who's like, what am I going to do now? I feel awful. And I don't think I'll ever be happy again. Hmm. Like that's uncomfortable. Right. But the women and the men who can do that and who'd have done that for me, just sit with me in my helplessness and my grief, man. Yeah. That's ministering. Right. I don't need a casserole. Right. I mean, I really don't like, I love it. I love food. Like give me food. <laughs> but let's, let's crack it wide open. And the, because I relied so much on my, my brothers and sisters, especially like my brothers and sisters saved me, saved me in ways I, in, in physical, emotional, spiritual ways, they, they, each one of them, hmm. not all of them are, are, are members of the, are, of our church. Half of them are, and half of them aren't. And we came together and bonded in a beautiful way. And that was God's evidence. It, it was evidence of God's love. And I really just feel like uh, that was such a sacred experience and still continue. And I still see the benefit of that. And my children saw it. My children saw that and they were like, oh, that's how siblings show up for each other. Mm. Oh, we do that for each other now. And if I, oh, and that lesson that my kids, that they are bonded together, especially now that they, you know, only have one parent has been I, I, such an amazing uh, example of love and, 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 uh, the principle of eternal families, you know, talk about basic gospel principles that they have a testimony of that. I'm, I'm so grateful for. Yeah. And you, you mentioned just this concept of, uh, you know, people offering and showing empathy because I think as humans and, and maybe it's exaggerated in a religious context, but we have this overwhelming feeling of, we just want you to feel good and happy and yeah. this, and so it's like, I want to say something or I want to do something that makes you happy. But yeah. in reality, things like this, they just hurt and they're supposed to hurt and, and they're, gonna they're probably just going to hurt for a while. Okay. But yeah. you know, it's so nice though, when someone does come to you and says, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I was just thinking about you and, you know, here's some chocolate or some flowers like, or a casserole, whatever it is like, yeah, you can have the thing. But the, the thing is, I just wanted you to know I was thinking of you and I hate this for you that I, you know, especially it was, I learned this in such a dramatic way because we were in COVID. We couldn't be together physically. I was mourning by myself. I had a funeral without my friends hugging yeah. me and, and surrounding me. It was so isolating and just absolutely the cruelest way to mourn. Absolutely isolated. But I felt the love of my friends and my family and my ward. I, I did feel it. That mm -hmm. is a real thing when yeah. people are saying, I feel so awful. I'm thinking about you, sending you a text, sending, you know, those little things that you think, should I do that? Oh no, it's dumb. It's just a little thing. Just do it. Just send it and then let it go. It's always better just to do the thing than not do the thing. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that's what as members of the church, we're good at, we're good at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is, I don't want to, construct something that's not there. But, uh, you know, with this calling as, as young women's president, I think it's, it's easy for leaders to maybe think like, Oh, Lisa, you know, she's widowed now. She has all those kids. Uh, she's working. Like, let's not burden her with one more thing. But has, has this calling been a good outlet for you or something that sort of gives you additional purpose or well, was that sort of taken care of? 
it's I've gotten that a lot. Like they called you like, doesn't your bishop know? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, my bishop, like just <laughs> could barely get the words out. He felt so bad. But we both felt so strongly about it. And I yeah. really did. I felt it coming. And um, and I really feel like that was the spirit saying this is it. The thing that I've learned about myself and about life is this is it. You don't get <laughs> wonderful circumstances like to unroll your life. It's happening right now. Get on board. It's happening. Yeah. Or, and if you don't participate, you'll miss it. So like, I mean, when Christopher was sick and, and it was at the worst time, right? Because all my kids were at home and they were little, we've got five kids. We're in the middle of it. We're trying to like send kids off into the world. Like this is the worst time. And then when he was really sick and dying, I was like, oh, we're in a global pandemic. We can't have any of our therapists. We had like seven therapists at the time coming in to help us keep him happy. None mm-hmm. of them can come. No, this is the worst time ever. So when I was called, like you're newly grieving new single mom of five kids. Yeah. Let's give you a huge calling while you're trying to figure out your new career. No, like this is the worst time, but it seemed, it seemed like the Lord's plan for me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I do feel like, again, it's, it's, I, I, I do feel like life happens and you can fight against it or you can just jump into it either way. No matter what you choose or don't choose, it's going to be hard Hmm. and that's okay. And it's okay. And so I think, yeah, is this the perfect time for me to do this calling? That's not how my life has gone. That's not what I have learned. So maybe asking someone who has had (laughs) (laughs) happen a little bit more linearly, or I don't know, more organized to me, I, 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 I felt like, and I mean, this is no disrespect or Mm-hmm. or um, sacrilege at all. I really don't. I mean it like true that I do feel like our Heavenly Father has a really perfect sense of humor. And I feel like a lot of you know my life, because I want to look for the funny and I want to look like, is, is it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You know, yeah. yes, this is horrible. Also look over here. All, you know, it, it's going to be both and it's okay. Don't deny yourself an opportunity for, for, growth and learning and fun and on all of this because you're so loyal to this idea of how you should grieve or how life should be or now you should just have it easy because you went through this really really hard thing yeah you know don't be too married to that idea of pain and suffering is spirituality and Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and maturity it's just that's not true yeah that's really helpful and and just this sort of that fallacy of the perfect time like we can't uh, calculate that too much into our decision-making, even as leaders, because this is how God sanctifies people is inviting them into callings at times. It seems like it's the worst time. And all you're asked to do is to do your best. You're not asked to do it perfectly. Yep. And you're not asked to do it alone. So. Awesome. Well, Lisa, this has been great. I want to make sure we uh, highlight uh, just sort of the a new direction that your your show's headed in. Um, Thanks. You're, you're, you, you were a daily show, but now you're putting all your emphasis on on once a week. Uh, d- yeah. Maybe break it down. Tell us people more about your show and where they can access it and what to expect. Yeah, thank you. The Lisa Show is a weekly podcast and it's a real place for connection. We want people, we know that there's a lot of information out there, right? When you have questions about how to live your life and the things you struggle with and the things that you kind of want and you don't really know where to go. And we try to sift through all of that information and find you the very best stuff so that, and and it's fun and it's funny because that's how life is, right? So we hope that we're going to give you lots of different ideas by having real conversations. So we just really want you to join into the conversation to, to be able to laugh about our successes and our failures, and Mm -hmm. then to also be able to get some good ideas about how to live your best life. So, you know, our first episode was about mom guilt, why we have it, how we can get rid of it. Um, the episode that uh, is released on, um, on today, on February 15th is how to get out of a slump. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got an episode coming up about deepening your partner, uh, your connection with your partner. We've got one about how to be the fun parent. (laughs) We've got one coming up about like how to make friends as an adult or how to find a creative outlet. So lots of different kinds of topics. It's a fun time. And you can download the Lisa Show podcast at BYU Radio or wherever you get your podcasts. So, you know, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And I hope everybody will just give it a shot and subscribe and 
and let me know what you think because we really do want it to be a conversation like you know leave a review or or on we're on social media and ask questions about you know the things that you're worried and concerned about or respond to an episode and to me that's really really fun and and i i i respond to all the messages so yeah let's have a conversation Awesome. Perfect. Well, I hope people check it out. And uh, obviously they're listening to this, so they probably know where to listen to stuff. So (laughs) awesome. Well, Lisa, last question I have for you is as you reflect on your time as a leader, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? I feel like being a leader, specifically a young woman's president, has helped me realize the great love that that our Heavenly Father, that Jesus Christ have for us as individuals, that they know us individually and, and they love us so much. And I feel like when you're in a position of leadership, you get to feel a little bit of that, of that love, and that helps you to answer the some of the prayers and the concerns that, that the people that you serve feel. And what a benefit to feel that love. And that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email, on social media, in a text, wherever it makes the most sense, and share it with somebody who could relate to this this experience. And this is how we how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And uh, that's where great leadership's discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, uh, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, uh, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org contact. Maybe send this in individual an email, letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them. And... Uh, See if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. And remember, go to leadingsaints.org slash 14 to access our full Liberating Saints virtual library.